beautiful song, Preparing Our Hearts for God's Word. And I'd like to invite you to open your Bible with me to the book of Isaiah this morning, Isaiah chapter 30. Um, I was uh, sitting there looking at our decorations. Bible school is always a fun time to be able to decorate the sanctuary and the classrooms in, in special ways. And, and I was wondering how many other Baptist churches would have a perilous rope bridge over top of their baptistry. You know, as Baptists, we usually are interested in getting people into the water and not keeping them out of the water. So maybe this particular rope bridge will have a trap door on it. When somebody's trying to cross, it'll, it'll automatically dump them in the water. But uh, anyway, Bible school is very fun. And this morning I'm going to uh, uh, preach to us uh, from our Bible school theme this week, Unknown to Us, Known to Him. Uh, last night, uh, Logan was playing with my phone, and I guess, God bless you, I guess he was on a weather app or, or some sort of app, uh, and he was looking at uh, Winchester, and uh, he said, Daddy, help me find Memaw's house. And uh, he said, I think I'm pretty close, and he showed me the map, and he was out on Interstate 64 uh, West headed towards Lexington. And I said, son, you know we're close. And so I said, here, let me show you. And so I took him through the map, uh, back to the bypass and on down, and uh, finally found out uh, uh, where Memaw's house was at. But as I thought about that, I came to understand you cannot arrive at your desired destination if you don't know where you're going. If you don't know how to get there, then how are you ever going to get there? And that is the theme of our Vacation Bible School this year, Journey Off the Map. Uh, it's an idea, understanding that as we go through life, there are many choices that we need to make, many paths that are set before us. And our goal, our destination for all of us should be to arrive in heaven one day. But not only that, but to live a life and walk the path that God has ordained for us and, uh, and the path that God would have us to walk here on earth until we get there because it's not always about just the destination it's about the journey in the process so as we think about negotiating and, and navigating through this life we need the right guide to show us which way to go we must lean upon the Lord's guidance to safely navigate the spiritual jungles of this life there are ups and downs and there are twists and turns and there are pitfalls and valleys and trap doors in this life. We all know that. And to safely navigate through the jungle of this life, we must lean upon the guidance of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to stand with me if you're able to this morning in reverence for the reading of God's holy word. We're in Isaiah chapter 30. I'm going to read verses 18 through 22. And Isaiah writes these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore He waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are those who long for Him. O people in Zion, inhabitant in Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious, gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself, but your eyes will behold your teacher. 
Your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left, and you will defile your graven images overlaid with silver and your molten images plated with gold, you will scatter them as an impure thing and say to them, Be gone. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you this morning with grateful hearts, God, thanking you for all the blessings of life, thanking you for another opportunity to gather as a church family. Father, we thank you so much for your word. You are a God who speaks. You have chosen to reveal yourself to us through the written word, through the scriptures. I pray, God, as we focus on your word today, that you will speak to us. Speak to our minds, help us understand. Speak to our hearts, help us obey and put it into practice. We thank you that Jesus has come to be our guide. And I pray that we would follow him wholeheartedly. We pray this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Our theme verse for this week is Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. But to really understand what's going on in that verse, we have to know the context, the setting in which it's found. And that's true of any verse of Scripture. You never want to just take one verse out of context because sometimes people can twist it and make it say things it's not meant to say. So we need to understand the setting, what's going on here. And in Isaiah chapter 30, what we find is that Israel, or, or the southern kingdom of Judah, underneath the leadership of King Hezekiah, has turned to Egypt for help to fight off the Assyrians. Now there's a couple of problems with that. First of all, think about the track record that Israel has with Egypt. It's not the best of histories, and why in the world would Israel ever try to go back to Egypt and ask for help with anything? But secondly, if God's people have a problem, if God's people need help, they should never seek political alliances to resolve that help. They should always seek God. And so Judah has turned, in essence, its back on seeking God and is pursuing help in all the wrong places. And not only that, the people are choosing to ignore the prophets that God has sent and instead turn towards prophets who will speak not God's words, but more pleasant words. In chapter 30, back in verse 9 through 11, we read this, For this is a rebellious people, false sons, sons who refuse to listen to the instruction of the Lord, who say to the seers, You must not see visions, and to the prophets, You must not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us pleasant words. Prophesy illusions. Get out of the way. Turn aside from the path. Let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. We go on to read in this chapter that God promises that judgment would come upon that generation and eventually it would. But in the meantime, God says, not only is judgment coming upon those who turn from me, I will be faithful to my promise and I will raise up a generation that will once again listen to my word and seek my will. 
God's will for His people is for, his, for them to always listen to His instruction and always follow His guidance. And there is a constant need for that. We read in verse 21, he says, Your ears will hear a word from behind you. This is the way. Walk in it whenever you turn to the right or left. The idea is turning to the right or left is getting off of the pathway. And God says, No, this is the way. And he says, Whenever you turn to the right. See, there's a tendency for us to turn. As sinners, we have a tendency to turn to the right or to the left sometimes. And God promises His Word will be there to tell us, no, 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 this is my path, and you must walk in it. And as we seek God's guidance to lead us through this life, it's important to understand that you have a guide. And who is this guide? You need to know your guide. Know your God, and that God is Jesus Christ. He has come to lead us to the will of God. He has come to lead us to be part of God's family. We read that in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. And Paul says, When the fullness of the time came, in other words, at just the right moment in human history, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, the virgin birth, Born under the law, he was Jewish and was raised underneath the laws that God had revealed, fulfilled all those laws. And he did that, verse 5 says, so that he might redeem those who were under the law. The reason that God sent his son was to purchase our salvation through his obedience and through his sacrifice that we might receive the adoption as sons. And so our guide, Jesus, we read in the Scriptures in Luke 2 that He was born, born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He was born, we read in Matthew chapter 4, His ministry. He came to preach God's Word, and He came to validate that Word through His healing ministry, through the miracles He performed. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that the Gospel is this, that Christ died according to to the scriptures. His ministry was not only to preach and teach, but to die. He lived a sinless life in our place. He died a substitutionary death in our place. Christ died on the cross so that you would not have to face the wrath and the judgment of God for your sins. But Paul goes on to say, not only did he die according to the scriptures, but he rose again according to the scriptures that through his resurrection, his ministry was validated. He was proven to be the Son of God through the resurrection. And then Paul goes on to say, and then he appeared to many. So Christ was born, Christ lived, he preached, he did miracles, he died on the cross, he rose again, and he appeared. And through all of that, the guide has credentials that are proven. You know, if you wanted to take a journey through uncharted territory, would you hire just anybody off the street to lead you on that journey? No, you would want to hire a guide who had credentials that were solid. Somebody who's been there before. Somebody who knows the ropes. Somebody, when it all goes down and when it all goes south, somebody that is faithful enough to rescue you dependable 
That's our guide through this journey of life. Jesus, our Savior. But now that we know who our guide is, secondly, we need to follow. We need to follow your guide. You must decide to follow Him. He's got credentials that are proven, and yet sometimes we choose to ignore our guide and follow our own pathway, or even worse, follow someone else instead of following the guide who is dependable. You need to follow your guide. And for us, Daniel serves as a wonderful example of that. We're going to be studying this week in Bible school some examples in the life of Daniel in which he followed his guide. Daniel, we learn in the Scriptures, was a young man raised in Jerusalem in Judah and at that time, he was taken away into captivity. The Babylonians came in. Uh, they were God's instrument of judgment against his people because they had turned away from him. So the Babylonians came in to Judah and they took away several hundreds and thousands of people back to Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon chose several of the best and the brightest of the young men of Judah and said, I am going to take them, train them up, and place them in service in my court. And so to do that, they changed their names, gave them Babylonian names. They changed their clothing. They changed their, their language and their studies. They also sought to change their, their diet, what they ate. And for the Jews, that was an issue right there because there was strict dietary laws that God had given them. And not only that, could they only eat things that the Bible, that God's Word says was kosher to eat, there was also the issue of going to a foreign country that worshipped foreign gods, and some of the worship of those gods involved sacrificing certain foods in the name of those false gods. And so Daniel and his friends had to make a decision. Will we compromise our beliefs of what God has said, or will we take a stand? And so we read this in Scripture in Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. It says, But Daniel made up his mind. In other words, he settled the matter in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Daniel had a firm conviction. I'm going to follow God. God says, this is the path, not to the right, not to the left. This is the path. Walk in it. Daniel said, I'm not going to get off that path. So he takes a courageous stand and he asks the commander of the officials for leniency in this. In verse 9 it says, Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander. You see, Daniel remembered God's word and it takes courage, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it takes courage to do the right thing, to walk the path that the guide has led you to follow. It takes courage. Then we read in the rest of the chapter how God blessed Daniel and he only ate foods that were, that were appropriate for him to eat as a young Jewish man. And God gave favor and kept him healthy. In fact, the ones who ate the 
special diet were healthier than the other young men. In verse 17, as for these youths, God gave them, verse 17, knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. And so through this process, God was able to use these young men. Because they were bold and courageous, they took a stand, God was able to use them in a special way. And we read through chapter 1, it was by God's sovereign design that Daniel and his friends even ended up in Babylon in the first place. And so understand this. Here is a young man who's bold, courageous, a man of faith. He takes a stand. This is a young man whom God would be pleased with. And at the same time, this was a young man that was plucked away from his family, from his homeland. His whole life was turned upside down. So understand this. Just because you are a godly person, don't expect the pathway to always be smooth. Don't expect that pathway to be void of potholes and treacherous obstacles. But understand this, it's by God's sovereign design those things are there. Just because there's bumps in the road doesn't mean that God's turned His back on you. It's those bumps in the road that makes you the person God wants you to be. Daniel and his friends, they followed their guide. And from a very young age, convictions were settled in that man's heart. The convictions that are formed in a young person's heart will only be strengthened as time passes and as tests come. And those tests do come. But when those convictions are there from a young age, and that's one of the things that Bible school is so important about. Just Sunday school, just church life in general. Put those convictions in the hearts of a young person at an early age. Because when those tests come, those convictions will only solidify. Follow your guide. But also, thirdly, trust your guide. Trust your guide. Why would you follow a guide you would not trust? And that's the lesson we have in chapter 3. We find that he is dependable even in the midst of difficult times. In chapter 3, we have the story of King Nebuchadnezzar erecting this large gold statue and saying, whenever the special music is played, everyone in my kingdom will stop what they're doing and they will bow down and they will worship this golden statue. You see, that's, that's an issue. Again, for the Jews, because we know in the Scriptures that we are to serve no other gods but one, no other gods before me. And no graven images are to be used in worship. And so we read the story in chapter 3 of Daniel's three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they, like Daniel in chapter 1, they take a stand once again. They put themselves in harm's way to follow God. Verse 8 of chapter 3, it says, For this reason, at the certain time, the, the Chaldeans came forth, brought charges against the Jews. They responded to Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You made a decree that every man who hears the sound 
of these instruments, but does not fall down and worship the golden image. Whoever does not do this shall be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon. These are public figures, O king. Public figures who are not bowing down to your authority. They hold to a higher authority. And we don't like that. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, these men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. So following God and trusting our God means that sometimes we are placed in danger. It's not always easy. Christianity is not for wimps. It is not always easy. and sometimes it's, it's more difficult. Any fool can follow their own sinful inclinations. Any fool can be pushed along by the winds of culture and society. It takes a strong individual, someone who really trusts and someone who really believes to take a stand and follow God. These young men did that in chapter 3. And then in verse 16 through 18, we read this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. You know us. We wear our faith on our sleeve. We're not closet followers of God. It's obvious who we are and who we follow. But verse 17 says, If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace a blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Our God is able to deliver us. Our God is greater than you, O king. Read verse 18. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to bow down to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I love that statement. Our God is able, but even if He doesn't, He's still worthy of worship. Our God is able, but even if He does not, He's still sovereign. It might be through my death that God is glorified, and if so, so be it. But we are not backing down. Burn us up, O King, if you want to. It doesn't matter. Our God is God either way. They trusted that God was able, but even if he didn't. Folks, that's faith. Some people say, well, if you've got enough faith, you, you'll overcome anything. But no, faith is trusting no matter what happens and believing that God is in control and God can use my suffering to sanctify me and glorify himself. But we read in this scripture, verse 24 to 27, God did miraculously intervene, and he did so to display his glory. It says, King Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded. He stood up in haste. He said to his officials, Was there not three men? We cast bound into the furnace in the midst of the fire. They replied to the king, Certainly, O king. He said, Look, I see four men loosed and walking around in the midst of the fire without arms. The appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Remember, Nebuchadnezzar was a 
he was a pagan, a polytheist. He believed in many gods. And he said, the, the fourth person, there's something unique about them. They don't look human. They look supernatural. They look divine. Could it be? And I believe possibly so. It was Jesus Christ himself. Not just a son of the gods, but the son of God himself that appeared to those three young men. Set them free from their bounds and preserve them in the midst of the fire. Folks, that's what faith in Jesus will do for you too. Set you free from the binds that hold you, that shackle you, the sin that oppresses you, and He preserves you and saves you from the fire, from the judgment. He says there's a fourth one in that furnace. The Nebuchadnezzar, verse 26, came near to the door furnace of blazing fire he responded Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego come out you servants of the most high God and come here and then they came out and then all these officials gathered around and they saw these men that the fire had no effect on the bodies of these men nor was the hair of their head singed nor were their trousers damaged nor had the smell of fire even come upon them and to me that's, that's amazing if you've ever spent at least five minutes around a bonfire you come home just, just stinking of smoke. And here these guys just walked all around inside a blazing furnace. Not even the smell of smoke on them. God's supernatural preservation. You see, they were cast into the fire and they, they were not burned up. But I tell you what, these three young men, they were consumed. They were consumed with a passion for the glory of God. You see, God's Spirit had already consumed them. They were burnt up for the king. It was the king of kings, you see, that they were on fire for, not this earthly king. They took a courageous stand, and you can too. Verse 28, it says, Nebuchadnezzar responded, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. He, he sent his angel and delivered his servants who put their trust in him, violating the king's command, yielded up their bodies so not to serve or worship any God except their own. You see, they were willing to render to Caesar what was Caesar's. But more importantly, they rendered to God what was God's. Verse 29, Therefore I, any people, nation, tongue that speaks anything offensive against their God shall be torn limb from limb, their houses reduced to a rubbish, inasmuch as there is no other God that is able to deliver in this way. And then the king caused Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego to prosper in the province of Babylon. You see, when you take a stand for the Lord, through that stand, you can become a powerful witness for God. We have several county clerks in our state that are taking a stand, that are saying to the governor, that are saying to the Supreme Court, we will render to Caesar what is Caesar's, but we're going to render to God what is God's. And you see these county clerks are being thrown into the fire, so to speak, in the legal and the political realm. And some people say, well, why don't they just quit? Just do your job. You see, well, their job when they came into office was one thing and now their job has been altered in mid-course. They have to make a decision. Compromise our integrity, compromise our faith, our convictions 
Or do we take a stand? Maybe we're cast into the furnace and maybe we lose our jobs. But even so, we will not cave to the whims of the politicians. A wonderful example these three young men follow. Trust your guide. Fourthly, stay on track. Stay on track. Once you start on the right path, don't quit. Don't veer off, but stay on track. We read this of Daniel in chapter 6, the story of Daniel and the lions then. Daniel's told, all all of Babylon's told by the king, nobody can bow down and pray to any god except the king. Nobody can pray to any other gods except they pray to King Darius at the time. We read about Daniel in chapter 10. Now Daniel knew the document was signed. He entered his house. Windows open towards Jerusalem and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. You see, Daniel was advanced in years at this point. Daniel could have said, you know what? I've stayed on the path long enough. It's time for me to just hit cruise control and just coast in this thing called life. King said, don't pray for so many weeks. Okay, I'll just, I'll hold back. You know, God knows my heart. No, Daniel said, it's what I always do. Prayer is so essential to me, it's like breath. I'm not going to stop praying just because some king said stop praying. And I know there's consequences, but you know what? I'll face them. Daniel was prepared to die if need be. Here is an old faithful saint who said, I ain't getting off the track. I'm staying on, I've gone on this track too long now to quit. <laughs> I've stayed on this track too long now to go to the right or left. It's, I'm going to ride it out. God's will be done. And that's Daniel in this story. They came to the king and said, hey, you said if anybody didn't follow this petition, they're, they're thrown in the lion's den, right? And Darius said, yeah, that's right. And they said, well, Daniel still praying. And the king, who liked Daniel, said, oh, no, what have I done? They said, well, uh, king, you signed this law. You can't go back on it. So he said, all right, fine. Throw him in the lion's den. But we read in verse 16, the king spoke to Daniel and said, your God whom you constantly serve will himself to deliver you. You see, the king was already being persuaded by Daniel that there was a God, the real God who was able to deliver. And perhaps he'd even heard the stories that happened with his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, and those three young men. So Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, but we read in the Scripture that God did save him. He sent an angel and closed the mouths of those lions. And Daniel was prepared to die, but God miraculously delivered him. And what that tells me in this story, even if wave after wave of persecution comes, God's, fe- God's people will faithfully stand. Daniel advanced in years and, and faced many hardships and many difficulties, and yet they kept coming. Don't think, well, if I keep walking with God, eventually it's going to get smoother. Maybe, maybe not. Daniel, it seems like just time after time after time, faced with difficulties and decisions, cave 
or hold to my convictions. You need to stay on track. Even if persecution arises, which folks, we're living in a time where it's going to arise. You see, we've been lulled into this false understanding of living in this country thinking that political freedom and, uh, or, or religious freedom is, is the norm. But you look back in the 2,000 hist- year history of Christianity, what we've seen in the last couple hundred years is the exception to the rule. It's, it's not the norm. In fact, God's people have historically been persecuted brutally and still around the world. We, we're, we, we've been pacified, so to speak, in this nation in the last couple hundred years. And I pray our religious freedom continues and we're going to fight for that and use the political means to do that. But even if it all falls apart and persecution continues ramping up, God's people will stay on track. Not because we're somehow strong in and of ourselves, but because we trust in the one who is stronger than anyone. So stay on track. Finally, keep watching. Keep watching. We read in in Daniel in the last half of the book, things get kind of weird, we think, from our point of view. Daniel starts seeing these visions and these dreams representing what God is about to do in the, in the immediate future, but also uh, in the end times. And Daniel is reading these things and he's and trying to interpret it and, and hearing these things, seeing these visions, and he's writing them down. And the final thing we read of, of Daniel, instruction to him, is in chapter 12, very last verse of the book. Chapter 12, verse 13. But as for you, go your way to the end. Stay on track till your time is done. Then you will enter into rest. That's great. But also, rise again. For you're a lot of portion at the end of the age. What we read about Jesus, he died according to the Scriptures and he rose again according to the Scriptures. Daniel's told even in the Old Testament, when you follow your guide, you end up in the same place where your guide is going. And not only was Jesus entered into his rest, but Jesus was raised. And so too will you and I. If we know our guide, follow our guide, if we trust our guide, and if we stay on track and we watch, eventually we end up in the same place as our guide. See, God is preparing a place for those who abide in His Word and He rewards faithfulness. The kings of this earth, they come and go. We read that in the book of Daniel. But the King of kings, Jesus Christ, reigns forever. And you need to make a decision. What king do you follow? What king do you stand for? Lean upon the Lord's guidance to safely navigate the spiritual jungles of this life. As a pastor, one of the questions I'm frequently asked is, how do I know God's will? How do I know this is God's will? I've got a decision, I've got a choice to make. How do I know God's will for me? God's will for you is simple. God's will for you is to be glorified through your salvation and your sanctification. That's it. God desires for you to pursue holiness. 
It's not some esoteric uh, uh, idea that's out there some way where, yes, let me try to tune in here and let me tell you God's will for you. It's this great mystery. It's not. The Scripture says, holiness. God's people are to pursue righteousness in their lives. And if you're not pursuing righteousness and holiness, then you're outside the will of God. If you're outside the will of God, then you need to really consider, am I on the right path? Am I even following the right God? God's will for you, holiness. Follow His Word. Stay on the path. The motto this week is this. This is the way. Walk in it. God has spelled it out for you. It's His will. This is the way. Holiness, righteousness, sanctification, growing in Christ's likeness. That's the way. There's no other way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. can't come to God unless you come through Him. That's your guide. You follow that path. This is the way. Walk in it. It means you always listen to the guide. And you always follow your guide. And you end up in the destination of your guide. And that's the destination I pray that we all desire. Holiness in this life. Heaven in the life to come. Let's pray together. Father, indeed, as we go through this this journey of life, oftentimes there are things that are unknown to us. We don't always know why things happen. We don't always know or understand. We face trials and difficulties and tragedies. The way is unknown to us. We don't know one minute from the next. We don't know what's going to happen to us when we leave this building today. We just don't know. It's unknown to us, but it's known to you. How foolish it would be not to trust in the one who knows the way. Not to follow the path of the one, the the trailblazer who's already gone before us. And he says, this is the way. Walk in it. Keep walking. Heavenly Father, my prayer today is for everyone in the sound of my voice to have this knowledge that Jesus is the guide, that they would trust Him enough, that they would follow Him, they would turn from their sin, believe that He died for their sin, believe that He rose again, believe He is King of kings and Lord of lords, and that they would give their lives and their hearts in surrender to Jesus. And that we would stay on track. The way in which He leads, we would follow. God, thank You so much for loving us enough that while we were lost in sin, You entered into this world to be the guide that we needed to coast through the difficulties of this life and arrive in our destination with you. Heavenly Father, in this time of decision, we pray that the Holy Spirit would work as only He can. We pray this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.